0: Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest today is the co-host of I Did Not Sign Up For This Podcast, an auntie of nibblings and a Canadian lesbian. Please give a sarcastic welcome to Carlene.
1: My God, that was the cutest intro. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, you know cutie for a
1: cutie you know yeah <laughs> thank you.
0: thanks for coming on the show yeah, and thank you for we've having got me. so much to talk about I don't even know where to start but uh yeah let's start I'm an with- open
1: book let's just start somewhere and in- so you're in Canada yes
0: and you're in what part
1: uh western Canada in Alberta
0: Alberta okay yeah So is there like if someone says I'm from Calgary or I'm from Toronto, are you like, ew, you know, like the stereotypical kind of like how we do here in the States, basically?
1: Yeah, I think there's some, but like we're Canadians, so we try to be really friendly and people pleasing about it. (laughs) But yeah, I would say east to west, like Toronto, Calgary thinks, you know, where I'm from, um, seems to think that Toronto, the universe revolves around it and I don't know, we're probably like the big Texas of Canada over here in Alberta, so. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I don't know if that's something to brag about necessarily. Yeah, no, it's, but... it's not. It is certainly not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what's some like Canadian slang? I mean, they have like the, the eh, the a, eh, the uh, the oh ooh, yeah. Whatever. I do say
1: eh, yeah. But it's all in yeah, the timing
0: got... and it's all in like the enunciation yeah. and, and the emphasis right behind it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think A is a big one. I think we say, oh yeah, no, for sure. Like we like, it's like a, but it means yes. But even though we're saying, oh no, (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Um, what's another one? Yeah. I know there's a joke that we say oot and boot" if we're just out and about, but I guess that sounds funny depending on where you're from.
0: (laughs) I think Americans love Canadians. I mean, I can speak for myself, I guess, because, uh, You know, I think that I love visiting British Columbia. I've been up there a few times and I grew up in New York State, which is like, I've never been to Canada Canada on the East Coast. Yeah. I grew up in New York State up in that area. But as far as living out here in California and going up to, you know, Vancouver, uh, I love it.
1: Yeah. We're just one province over. I think you are missing out if you don't make your way into Alberta. Cause we also have like the Rockies, but we've got some like desert and yeah, some pretty, some pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel
1: like we talked last time when we did the interview for the magazine, um, that we need to find you someone to marry to get you up here. (laughs) It seems like things are not going great down there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's getting worse. Yeah. As you probably have seen over the last week that, um, yeah, the Roe versus Wade thing
1: is not good. No, it is not good. But you're in California, which I think is the better state to be in under these conditions.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if it goes to each state, then we're kind of screwed.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been really interesting to watch along.
0: But that also kind of sets the I mean, Roe versus Wade is like the gateway to all the other laws. uh, Yeah, that could be dismantled so we'll just have to see what happens and i went yeah. to a rally i live near oakland i went to a rally last week the day that it was announced on tuesday oh wow and it was just a you know a small one and the people yeah. were speaking and yeah people were pissed. Are, are pissed did anybody dress up as a handmaid there were two I'll yeah have, i'll have to <laughs> send you the the photograph because i took a um, photograph of them but yeah And, yeah, women are pissed, and they made it pretty clear at that rally, so as they should be. And these are women that are, like, in their 70s that have been through it for a long time already, and they're like, there's no way we're going back. You know, I have daughters, I have granddaughters, and, you know, there's no way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I think we are really um, fortunate in Canada, we don't have the best healthcare or politics, but you know, like I think we've we're a little bit more liberal up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, you're definitely a lot more friendly. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I, I do think that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah that is true. So, in celebration, um, Pride is next month. Yeah. And although every day is Pride, uh, I'd love to hear your coming out story and what you're willing to share.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, um, I think, I think, I don't think it's unique. I think probably a lot of um, people in the LGBTQ plus community can probably relate, but um, I didn't just like come out once. I came out when I was 14. Um, I realized I was, I got my first job at a restaurant and I was a hostess and um, I met a lesbian and we instantly just had chemistry and, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm a lesbian. And so, um, and so you knew she
0: was a lesbian.
1: Yes. She was very like masculine presenting. Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, that was 1998 maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I would say by today's standards, she would probably be considered like androgynous or more like masculine leaning. Mm -hmm. And, um, her name was AJ and we hit it off and she was a little bit older than me. And I was like, it had never occurred to me because I, I talk a lot when I do interviews about coming out that there was just no language in 1998 about like what a lesbian was. There was no representation about what queer meant. And the only thing of the queer community I had seen would have been on Jerry Springer probably. Interesting. And it was, yeah, it was just like, it was very uh, ridiculed and it wasn't taken seriously. And there was a lot of like slander, you know, like negative language used And so it had never occurred to me. And then I was like, oh, I'm gay. And I told my stepmom in confidence and she promptly told my dad out of confidence. (laughs) And uh, my parents just put an end to it. They were just like, we didn't even talk about it really. But it was sort of like, no, you don't even know. You're too young. You wouldn't even have an idea. Mm. And then they sent me to a Catholic high school. So I went, I grew up going, I grew up non-religious public school. Like there was, it was just normal, I think. And then, yeah. And then I got sent to a Catholic high school and then I got really educated on the uh, like religious straight agenda, I call it. So that's where I got the lessons that like homosexuality is a sin and, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman and, you know, all of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. I just remember it's like this weird it's like this weird fog came over me because I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm straight. Like, I guess I like I didn't I didn't fight it. I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just date some guys. But I laugh now because there were so many of us that would like go to parties and get drunk and just like make out with girls and then be like, oh, my God, we were just so drunk. Like, how silly. (laughs) And then and then we'd like go with our boyfriends you know and so then after high school I remember it's hindsight's funny I remember going traveling I went to Europe with my best guy friend who I was in love with and he's now gay and or he was gay but he's come out as gay and Mm -hmm. he's married to a man and we went to Europe together and I had so many feelings about so many girls that I met on this trip but I just convinced myself that I just had this like friendship crush on them. And I was like, Oh man, I just want to be just like them. Oh, I could just, I would love to be their best friend. Like meanwhile, (laughs) if I had really given any thought to it, I was madly in love with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so like that happened. And then I distinctly remember like one year, everybody that I'd gone to high school with all my best friends started getting married to men like heterosexual marriages. And, um, I was just like I think I was a bridesmaid, I think like three times in one summer Mm. and I just I remember just feeling left out and I remember just thinking like okay well I should probably find a guy and get married like I just you just have this it's hard to look back in hindsight because I see it so clearly now but I just I talk about the straight agenda and you're sort of raised or we were raised with this idea that Success looked like after school, you did some traveling, maybe you got a higher education, and then you found a husband, got married, got an SUV, got a dog, had kids. Like, that's just what that was the checklist that you had to do. That was a trajectory for everybody,
0: yeah, yeah. And so that's what success question. looked like. Yeah. So when you were 14, so there obviously wasn't anybody except AJ that you met at work. There wasn't yep. any like teachers or mentors or resources. Like you didn't no. see a movie. You didn't see a, you know, read a book or anything that had to do with being gay or anything.
1: No, not really. Like I think I had in junior high, I think I had a gym teacher who was a lesbian, mm-hmm. but she wasn't out. And, you know, I, I think it was the same was- gym teacher I had. It might have been. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember her name, but she was very like tall and butch and very masculine presenting. And I only assumed she was a lesbian. And I remember students making fun of her behind her back. Mm-hmm. But really, other than that, like I don't if there were lesbians or gay people, I did not know them or notice them other than what was being portrayed in media, which in 19, you know, 1996 to 99 was very. I think did Ellen come out? See, that is so weird
0: cuz I'm way older than you. I'm not going to yeah. say how old much older, but I remember in the 80s I moved out to California in 87. And so like 88 is when we started going to like San Francisco Gay Pride. Yeah. And the parade and AIDS was a huge thing then. And so all the, you know, all the floats were AIDS related and and that sort of thing. And so if you're thinking 10 years later, yeah, And there still isn't anything in your area. I mean, is Alberta like a small town kind of feel to it? or
1: Alberta is very, like they literally call us the Texas of Canada. We're okay. very conservative, very Western, lots of farming. Um, it's very, very country. Yeah, yeah. politically conservative. Um, I think probably in Vancouver and Toronto, like on opposite ends of the country, there was quite a bit more liberal ideas and acceptance Mm -hmm. but like I I don't even think I really knew about pride until after high school like Mm -hmm. it just wasn't part of my universe right yeah Yeah.
0: and I can relate to that because I grew up in a small town of like five six thousand people in New York and growing up in high school like I said I had the gym teacher And, you know, the typing teacher that was like out as bisexual and, but no one, I wasn't, I didn't have enough courage to go to them and say, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking. I feel like I'm different. I like, I remember one time I went into the typing teacher's classroom and the gym teacher happened to be there with her. And it was like, okay. And so that was like a total light bulb went off for me. Yeah, and so I went in there, asked them some stupid question about some assignment and hoping that that would kind of like generate some kind of like conversation or something.
1: Yeah. But they just like, did at you me. want them to ask you? Like, yeah, did they want- yeah. I wanted yeah.
0: them to like their gaydar obviously wasn't working or they didn't pay attention. Yeah. But it would have been nice to have them kind of approach me. And they didn't, you know, I seemed like more of a nuisance to them. And so then I left and then, you know, I didn't really come out until I moved to California. Well, actually in college is when I had my first experience and uh, with straight girl. Uh, So I got to love that. And um, (laughs) (laughs) so that was my first experience with that. So, yeah,
1: yeah, I I got my queer like sex education from my first girlfriend, AJ, and because it wasn't talked about because my family didn't approve it or want to acknowledge it, you know, it stopped there. And in school, our sex education was very heteronormative and yeah, like that there, there just wasn't anything. And so even, you know, so all my friends are getting married and I remember meeting at that point, I'd be in my early twenties and I remember meeting a few lesbian couples And I remember being, like, obsessed with, like, watching them and, (laughs) like, just, like, I was, I couldn't not look at them. And I was, like, oh, my God, like, that's a lesbian couple, those two women. And it just, like, blew my mind. And, but it never blew my mind enough to be, like, hey, I want that for me. I just couldn't explain why I was so obsessed with them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I was like, I was I was in all these weddings and um, my co-host Michelle, it was her wedding and I was like, it, just before her wedding, I was like, I need to start dating. I need to like settle down. And so she created a Plenty of Fish profile for me, there. which there was no, Done yeah, that. there was no Tinder. There was no <laughs> yeah. nothing. It was just Plenty of Fish or I don't even know what else. Um, <laughs> and, And I ended up meeting my, who would become my husband and he was like, if you've ever seen Dirty John or heard the podcast, mm-hmm. it was very similar. Um, he is, he's got antisocial personality disorder. He had an extensive criminal record. None of this I knew at the time. He was a narcissist. He just sort of like, I think I was prime for the picking because I had low self-esteem. I wanted to get married because everybody else was getting married. And so it was very easy for him to just like move me along this agenda. Right. Um you know, that's the other thing I say. So I just call it the straight agenda. I'm just gonna like coin the <laughs> coin the whole thing because, you know, he proposed to me everything about our relationship was so celebrated in our in our society, in my family. They were like, Yeah, Carling met somebody. Yeah, like he's a man, I think was probably the underlying tone. You know, he's so great and nobody pointed out any of the red flags and if I was a little unsure about something they were quickly squashed by being like oh like that he's just a guy oh you know like it's fine and you know I wanted so badly to be accepted and so badly to just fit in that's what everybody wants Mm. and so as soon as I was dating him I suddenly fit in with all my couple friends I suddenly you know had someone to bring to family dinners and you know, my dad finally had somebody to, you know, arm wrestle with and be manly man with. And, and so I was like, well, this is great. Like I finally fit in to life and he proposed to me. So I didn't want him to propose. I told him no, like there was a lot of abuse happening and all this stuff. Mm. And he decided to propose in front of 3000 people at this big outdoor event on stage and in front of all my friends and family. And, I think he did that because he knew I couldn't say no, like right. who's going right. to say no. And, you know, I talk about this like wedding train that the second somebody puts a ring on it, it's like your whole community, your family, your life. They like put you on this train and they like send it flying towards the altar mm-hmm. and you don't even have a second to stop and evaluate what's going on. Do I want this? Nobody asked me like, are you sure? Like, it was just propelled towards the altar. Well, and- it didn't seem like many
0: people are asking many questions from the get-go. Yeah. So, you know, that surprises me as well. Um, but like you said, it's that type of environment um, that they, that's what they want for you. So they're not going to question yeah. something that yeah. they want you to have. Yeah. For them. It seemed like for them, they wanted you to be married. For them, they wanted you to find a guy, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I had my checklist and suddenly, you know, before I knew it, we bought a house. Before I knew it, we were engaged. And then we got a dog. And then we, you know, we were just checking off all the things and getting celebrated along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, I have to laugh because on our wedding day, uh, we, me and my bridal party slept in late. We made a wrong turn get getting to the church and then as i walked through the doors into the church the altar the like archway fell on me oh my god it was like the universe like i don't know if i believe in god or whatever but like <laughs> right. the universe there were was signs. like yeah yeah they were like trying to stop me and i was like no like we're doing this right And so we like, we got married and it was awful. And nine months later, I was like, this is like, I'm out of here. This is atrocious. And so. So how long was it
0: from when you met on Plenty of Fish to the wedding?
1: So I think we were together for like two and a half years before our wedding. Mm, And then we were only married for nine months. And then I just kind of thought, okay, well, literally on my wedding day, I was like, well, 50% of marriages end in divorce so worst case you know let's have a good party and we'll just like that was my thought on my wedding day right um and I tell anybody listening if this is your thought like I think you need to reevaluate what you're doing have the party and then get divorced (laughs) yeah it was the really great party yeah and so I what I didn't know though is that he had an official diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, which is like psychopath right. and um, had an extensive criminal record. He had spent four years in a federal penitentiary for stalking and harassing women. Wow. And like just through our time together, it just never got brought up somehow. And so. Did it come
0: up after the, you split from him?
1: Yeah. So it wasn't until I had, Left and it was chaos and abusive and it was crazy. And then his stepmom was like, Well, I'm really surprised considering I don't know what she said, but something triggered me to be like, Well, what do you mean? And she was like, What do you mean? What do I mean? And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? And so that's when like I learned everything. And I was Uh. like, Nobody thought to pull me aside and be like, Hey, like you know about right? Yeah, this thing, right? Yeah, they just thought I was like. Mother Teresa like they just thought I was so forgiving <laughs> and I could overlook all of this Right. you know for love <laughs> well so at yeah what point it's,
0: were you like I'm out of here and to have to for you to have that strength to do that I mean yeah
1: do you know what it, what it was was I will say even one time in our marriage like I just assumed that everybody hated can I say penis on your podcast you just did I <laughs> I just thought everybody thought it was disgusting, right. but it was just a thing that we all had to, you just had to do it. Had to and put up with it. Yeah. 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 It was just a necessary evil of being in a relationship with a man. <laughs> and, um, I remember I would have to think about women in order to like make myself even consider having sex with him. Mm. And then one time at work, Again, I don't know why we were talking about this in the lunchroom, but one of my coworkers was saying how sexy she finds it when her husband is naked. And I was like, ugh, like I thought she was joking. And I was like, you're joking, right? And she was like, no. And everybody kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was like maybe the first time since being younger that I was like, oh, God, like am I a lesbian? Like right. it had never occurred to me since that my first girlfriend and so then 9 months into our marriage I was like miserable. He was rough with me and like abusive in a lot of ways, but then he was really physically abusive to one of our dogs one day. And like that was the thing. I just looked at him and I said like this is done. Like mm-hmm. I you know, I can put up with a lot of things, but like cruelty to animals is my is the thing. So that was the moment and you know, it it kind of blew up and imploded and and all of that. And then all of this news came out about his history and all of this stuff. And I mean, then fast forward, you know, it was, I mean, just that piece of it was 10 years of calling the police, going to court. He went to jail because of all the stuff he did post me leaving him. Like it was insane. Um,
0: And that was the 10 years after the nine months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like for years, like I think it has... I just got he finally agreed to a divorce uh, like on our 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was like a mind thing for him but I had a huge party and we went axe throwing and it was amazing. <laughs> um and yeah, so when I left him, I, you know, I was like after a few months I was like okay, maybe I'll start dating. And I remember downloading like Plenty of Fish probably and I remember selecting women seeking men and I would like go through these profiles and I was like, "Ugh, like, I hate all of this. And then I got a personal trainer. So I was sort of like, you know, I wanted to get fit and put me first and, you know, newly single and all this stuff. And she was a lesbian. I mean, that was this is a match a good- made
0: in heaven. I can tell already.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a lot of things. (laughs) And I was like, so attracted to her. And but she knew that I just love my husband and all this stuff. And I remember trying to come up with ways of like, bringing up like, oh, like, you know, like, I've kissed girls before. Like, I just like would try and like, in conversation, be relatable. And, one and then finally, one day I was telling her about how I dated a girl when I was 14, and she's like, Oh, she's like, Maybe you're more gay than straight. And I was like, Ha 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 ha. Anyway, fast forward, we slept together <laughs> a lot. And
0: <laughs> so, um, between you getting a divorce or leaving your husband, yeah, how was it for you to get back into the dating game? Because I'm sure there were some trust issues, and I mean, just with that whole experience, I mean, I can't imagine you or maybe you did just kind of like say just throw yourself in there because i i have to at least get back in there and the only way to do that is just you know go off go all balls to the wall so to speak
1: yeah i think i i didn't really understand the amount the effect the trauma of that relationship had on me and i think once i sort of was like holy shit i'm gay then it just seemed like, well, that wouldn't happen again because I'm only going to date women. Mm. Like, I think I just sort of like separated the two lives and mm-hmm. moved forward with a completely different life. So me and this trainer ended up having an affair. You know, I'm not an affair. We were together, but not really. And she was problematic in a lot of ways. But it was a real good time and good confirmation that I was, in <laughs> fact, a lesbian. Right. And then I had to come out again. Like, and it was almost like more stressful because I was so scared to tell my family because of their initial reaction when I was 14. And I really felt like I was just going to be disappointing them. It wasn't a great reaction from any of my family. Mm -hmm. I told my sister who is a like devout, devout Catholic and married to a very conservative Catholic family. And, you know, she said, well, she was like, you know, you know, what the church believes, but you know, you're my sister. So I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> I'll take it. I lo- yeah. <laughs> I-, I love you anyway. And I was like, sure. okay, well, ouch, but okay. Mm-hmm. And then when I told my mom, I don't even know. So my parents are divorced and I don't even know, you know, why it had to be sort of like transactional or it had to be like, um like an agreement because she was like, you know, I was like, so like, you know, I, I'm gay, I'm dating women. And she was like, okay, well, you just can't judge me for dating black men then. And I was like, I just feel like I've never judged you. Like, it was such a defensive, like, like she offhand. Had to yeah. Yeah. Like she had to come back at me with something that I then had to be okay with. And it was really weird because she had dated black men. Black men are great. Like I, there was never, it wasn't a point of contention between us. Mm. And I was like, okay, fine. So like, that was fine. And then when I told my dad, he was like, well, he was like, just because, you know, you dated this one bad guy, you had this one bad experience. And I was like, I was like, well, no, like, that's not really how it works. And he's like, okay, well, you just have to promise me that if the right guy does come along, that you'd consider it. And I was like, so even after
0: all those years,
1: yeah, it's
0: they weren't, they weren't budging. They were not, yeah, they were not going to hear your side of the story. They were not going to try to not necessarily be convinced, but at least hear your side of your story. Yeah.
1: It was just, yeah, it was weird. Like, I wasn't shunned or turned away, but it was just very, like, I don't know. Like, it was just really weird. And my family, yeah. we notoriously just don't talk about things. And so we just never talked about it again. I just went forward dating women, and that was it.
0: And lived your um, life, and and I'm guessing yeah, they're and, still part of that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that like, that was, that was kind of it, and it was just sort of this weird. So then I was like, okay, well, I want to date, you know, things kind of fizzled out with trainer. And um, so I joined meetup. I think, it, I think you guys probably have meetup yeah. in America, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I joined like a lesbian meetup group and just started going to like lesbian events. And that was where I was like, holy crap there are so many lesbians like I just didn't even notice before or I didn't know where they hung out or where they went and there's not a really big um like queer like club scene in Mm -hmm. where I live um there's like one gay bar but it's mostly gay men and any I think there used to be like a lesbian bar but it closed down before I came out which I'm sad about Mm -hmm. and so we just kind of took over places you know I started hosting um a lesbian pub night and so it was you know we would just book out a room at a pub and if you identified as lesbian you'd come and hang out and that's where I made like a ton of friends and I met my long-term girlfriend we were together for eight years and yeah
0: so you're off to the races off to the races and it all came together yeah
1: yeah but it really, yeah, it made me realize a sort of like just how messed up our culture and society is on this, I just call it our, our straight agenda. Like, why was it never talked to me about, you know, what does attraction look like? What does healthy relationships look like? What does, you know, like all of these things, none of it was ever talked about. Mm-hmm. It was just celebrated if I was following along, you know, the path set out for me. Yeah, that's a
0: pretty intense story. I appreciate you sharing that. And listening to your story, you know, I look back at mine, and mine was just like so benign and (laughs) vanilla. Uh, Not to say that, you know, going through that is necessarily a good thing either. But, uh, you know, I think growing up in a small town definitely was part of the struggle that I had. I mean, I had an older sister that was gay and oh that's six years older than I was she was in the military so she had to deal with all the military stuff and yeah you know don't ask don't tell I remember in college my um the straight girl that I was seeing dating and I went down to my sister lived in San Antonio Texas because that's where the Air Force Base was and so we went down there for spring break and we ended up going to like Corpus Christi and you know that sort of thing so but she took us to our like our first gay bar with a couple of her other friends that were also in the military. And they like have these plates on their license plate that they had yeah. to like unscrew and put in their trunk. Oh. For because when they went they to were the military- gay bar. Yeah. Because right. they have people that were kinda of like on these witch hunts. And this was like nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Nineteen eighty six. So that was interesting to be part of that. Uh and just seeing her struggle, you know, um, with being being out and being herself. And here I was, you know, just fa la 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 you know, doing my yeah. own thing. And then I moved to California, the Bay Area, which was great. But I mean, even these areas have their issues as far as discrimination and violence towards the gay population and transgender. So we're definitely not immune to anything whatsoever. Yeah,
1: yeah and I think the state's it seems from what I've seen has a lot more um, discrimination. Like we've certainly faced, I've certainly faced discrimination, you know, in my little conservative area. Um, Just this past summer, my now partner and I went to Toronto and we went to the gay district and we could not believe that there are entire neighborhoods dedicated to gay people. (laughs) Like we were, we're just from like, you know, right wing conservative Calgary. And we were like, oh, my God, like, this is incredible to have these like neighborhoods and businesses that, you know, like are really catering to this demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Have you ever thought of moving out of Alberta?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. Just because of like family and like I do like it here. I think we're moving in a good direction. Mm mm-hmm. But yeah, like, yeah, I was like, we need, like, even our gay pride is like, it's mediocre, I think, at best. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of pushback. We get a lot of, you know, a lot of comments about, like, why do you need a parade? You know, you can get married now. And we're like, that's not like, that's not totally the point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have
0: you heard of Jane Rule? No. She is uh, the writer uh, of the book Desert of the Heart which is the movie Desert Hearts. Oh, yeah. Have you watched Desert Hearts?
1: No, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, though.
0: Okay, definitely recommend. But she was American, and then she met her partner, Helen, and then uh, she actually became a Canadian citizen in the 60s. And oh. so she taught at the um, University of BC. But I would definitely recommend reading, at least reading or watching the movie. And then uh, Rita Mae Brown is another author. Uh, Ruby Fruit Jungle is a great book, so those are oh. you know books I highly recommend um if you haven't read them but Jane was great I mean she as far as marriage and gay marriage she was she never supported gay marriage because she just felt it was just some like constrict. and you know we should be helping the straight people get out of that, you know right oh, all out of getting married yeah, so it was yeah, it was interesting that she wasn't for that because she was such a um a pioneer in, you know, gay and lesbian rights. So yeah, I think that's that's great. I think that now that you're living your life fully in truth and being able to be yourself is pretty spectacular.
1: I'm so happy to see. Like my whole mission now in life is to just be the representation that I didn't have. As a kid, and I'm glad to see, like, Blue's Clues had a Pride thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, it It seems like it's coming out more. And I've got, you know, a non-binary bisexual nibbling, I call it, which is the gender-neutral niece-nephew. And, you know, just the access to media that they've got, the access to representation is just so refreshing. And I'm so thankful for it. And I don't... Oh, one thing I didn't talk about is sort of the... um like my coming out of so I lived a very like I thought what am I trying to say? Like my own personal, like how I presented to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought if you were a lesbian, you were lesbian, you were either butch or femme. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I knew that I wasn't like quote unquote butch, but I never really felt comfortable as like a really feminine presenting person. And it was I mean, actually, probably one of the things that started sort of the breakdown of my last relationship was that I wanted to cut my hair really short. And that was a really big problem in our relationship because she liked really feminine presenting women. And one day it just occurred to me that, like, why do I wear heels when I hate them so much? Why do I wear dresses <laughs> right. when I feel so awkward in them? Yeah. And I sort of like, it took probably three years, but I really transitioned to, like, I should find a picture. I had, like, hair down to my, like, armpits. I had, I wore, like, a ton of makeup. I wore heels and dresses and skirts. And I was still a lesbian, but I thought I had to be this still feminine presenting. Mm-hmm. And I've really embraced this sort of, like, finding, you know, like, just because I have boobs doesn't mean I need to show them. Like, <laughs> right. I just thought I still had to look really feminine. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's been, like, it's been a really interesting journey to be like oh like I questioned a lot of things like why like why do I need to I don't know fill in the blank here you know yeah be- just is it because I thought I had to be or is it because I actually feel comfortable like that and
0: yeah you kind of find your own style and whatever feels comfortable yeah yeah to you yeah and then those people you know as far as being attracted or attractive to other women it's like everybody has their type regardless yeah. if you're a man or a woman you know
1: yeah that's yeah. great but now I'm just me
0: well you're always you
1: yeah well yeah I'm like but now you're a happier version of me. You. yeah yeah exactly
0: so when you share your story what is it that you want people to kind of take away from it
1: I think I just want people to question why we or they are doing things because I don't think we spend enough time questioning why we're doing things. Is it because it's making you happy? Is it because you actually want that? Or, you know, like I just assumed I would have kids, but like I don't actually want kids. And, you know, like thankfully I figured that out beforehand, but. I just assumed like, oh, I'll just obviously have kids. I'll just want them eventually. So I just I always really question the why we're doing things. and you know, I question, I don't know, I question people like my co-host Michelle has five kids. and I think I think she loves me for it, but I question her a lot on if there's like a really heteronormative conversation we're having. You know, you know, if you if you ask a kid an eight year old, female oh do you have a boyfriend like first of all why are we talking about that but secondly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know why aren't we leaving room for them to possibly have a girlfriend or yeah I just like I want there to be more open discussion more questioning why we're doing things and just providing like more representation because then we're not going to have people you know like me getting married and trying to settle and not being happy and then having to go through all of that you know, like what would your life have looked like if you know you had come out as gay? If those teachers had asked you something, you know, and like what would a, my life have looked like if at fourteen I was in, you know, my sexuality was embraced? You know, I maybe never would have gone through all of that abuse, and right. you know, right. so I just think, yeah, like and the you know, I just feel for what's going on in the states with the you know gender affirming healthcare bills that are being passed and you know the don't say gay and Mm -hmm. Roe versus Wade like I just think like I'm just so scared for this next group of young humans coming into this world you know like I want them to not struggle the way that maybe we struggled or yeah
0: yeah and I think you know growing up gay in the 80s and 90s for me was you know the gay community lesbian community before us was trying to make it so that we didn't And you would think that it would continue down that road, that we would carry that through the years. But then all of a sudden it's like it's it's like we're starting from square one again. Yeah. You know, with the whole Florida bullshit. And yeah. You know, granted that's just one state. But
1: but there are many states down there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That would totally jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, it is scary and it sucks that we have to continually over and over and over make the path safe for future generations.
1: Yeah. Like, I just think we need to, what's my, I always say like, you know, you do your best until you know better and then you do better. And Mm -hmm. it feels like there's a bit of a backslide happening, but you know, I just keep, yeah, I just keep being that annoying person that questions everything and, you know, poses these questions because I don't think, I think if you are privileged enough enough to be a white, straight, cisgendered person, you know, you you need to have these questions asked to you because, you know, you're looking at it from this lens where the world has been set up for you. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't fit into that and we need to make a better space for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my story. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank
0: you. (laughs) I appreciate that. So I wanted to talk quickly about your podcast. Yeah. Cuz I think it's important that people know about it and hear about it and it's I did not sign up for this. And can you tell me just a little bit about the podcast and your host Michelle and the stories that you hear from your guests?
1: Yeah, you bet. Yeah, so my my co-host Michelle and I we've been best friends for over 20 years and Um, she suffered a tragic loss. Her husband died and they have five kids. And, you know, we, we had sort of been tossing around this idea of wanting to do like a true crime podcast or just something fun, like a project. And one day I was just like, I was like, you know, we didn't sign up for this. And she went, she was with me through the whole court proceedings of my, of my husband or ex-husband and all of that. And, um, we've just been through a lot together and, We were like, yeah, we did not sign up for this. And so the concept just came from wanting to have conversations with people who have interesting stories to tell Um, people like everyday people who who have said, I did not sign up for this Mm -hmm. and just like hearing their stories and being a platform to to share. And I think what it does is people hear a lot of times we hear that people hear the story and think, oh, like I didn't know that somebody else went through that or, oh, I didn't know that. You know, somebody could go through something so similar and, and come out of it okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's pretty intense. I mean, I've I've listened to a few of your episodes and, you know, week after week I commend you and Michelle to I mean it's it's a lot, you know, to hear I, I think it's great that these people are sharing their stories because it, it um I don't know, for me it humbles humbles me. And helps me understand other people when I when I hear people's stories. Yeah. But to take that on, you know, every week it's and, and I know you guys kinda infuse humor, you know, when it's called for and needed. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit lighter than, you know, um and it seems like people are at a point in their lives where they're okay to tell the story in a way mm-hmm. that's not, you know, so still really fresh. I mean, I know it never goes away. The grieving never leaves.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, we cover some pretty heavy topics. But, you know, our big thing is laughter is our own trauma response. Mm -hmm. And so we do try to infuse humor, humor, and we do try to find, you know, lighter moments to to work with. Um, And I think there's there's space for that, even in the darkest stories. And I think our you know, the guests that we seek out have a very similar philosophy. So yeah, You know, life is heavy and stories are heavy, but if you can't laugh, you'll be crying. So right, (laughs) we got to find room for both.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: you two, you and Michelle are pretty big on TikTok.
1: Oh, my God. Like big on TikTok, we don't have, like, we watch a lot of TikTok. I don't know that a lot of people watch our TikToks.
0: (laughs) Well, I see your TikToks on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok, but I see your TikToks on Instagram. So that just gave me the impression that, you know. (laughs) You guys are celebrities on TikTok.
1: Oh, God, no, we're very small, small potatoes over on TikTok. But thank you. Yeah, we try, you know, we're, we're just those like mid to late 30s mom and a lesbian trying to be relevant on TikTok.
0: <laughs> well, you guys do them very well, like with the audio oh, in you. the back and you're trying to lip sync the, you know, the the audio. Very impressed. Yeah. Very impressed. <laughs> well, thank you. We there's tried. no way very I'd be hard. able to do that. <laughs> And, you know, act at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So where can people find you uh, and Michelle? Yeah, pretty much anywhere you get podcasts or anywhere on social media. If you look up, I did not sign up for this. Uh, We will, we hopefully will pop up and we would love for people to listen, download, check out our TikToks if you dare and have a good laugh at us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it
1: my God, thank you so much for having me. Thank
0: you for listening to Women Who Sarcast, an independent podcast. Email us at womenwhosarcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at womenwhosarcast. Get your copy of Women Who Podcast magazine today. Visit womenwhopodcastmag.com to subscribe. Show music provided by Mike Imbasciani.